welcome to this episode of The Making of an Exception. If this is your first time tuning in, this podcast is for anyone who's looking to be inspired, to gain new perspective on life, or is aspiring to live out their faith in whatever field you find yourself in. Each week, we'll be interviewing influencers and creatives who are exceptions to the rule. The fact that they've gone through what they've gone through, walked through the challenges and pain that they have, and have been gifted the way they've been gifted is what makes them an exception. Our goal is that you'd hear this story today and you'd be inspired and challenged to be an exception in the making. If this podcast has impacted your life, you can help support by going to our website, exceptionpodcast.co, and clicking the Patreon link or by finding it in the show notes. Thank you so much for your support, and thanks for listening. Welcome to the Making of an Exception podcast. My name's Kirk Graham, and we got a special guest today, a dear friend. <laughs> Robert Blanton Jr. Yes. And uh, he is the founder and the owner of Kitty Academy, happening out in Edina, Minnesota. Uh, and he also happened to play uh, some football. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Which is awesome. Yes, sir. I wouldn't say Kitty Academy is a franchise, though. Yeah, you don't own Kitty Academy. Nah, just the one in Edina. Just the one in Edina. No, but it's running. And uh, Robert Blanton, uh, known him for, what, two years now? Yeah, about two years. And uh, getting to hear your journey and your story, just how you were raised, life you've lived, uh, which is a life that I know nothing about, like football life. Uh, I mean, I like watching football, but I don't know. Like, I don't know the world you live in. So, like, even talking, the world that you've lived in is insane, yet you've come out of football and are living a successful life. You know, you got a great family. Uh, you got a good head on your shoulders. You're more than just a football player, but you started a successful business, all this stuff. And so, um, yeah, we're going to talk all about that. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me, man. I'm pumped. Yeah, we're stoked about it. Um, <clears throat> tell us about Kitty Academy. It's like starting out where, where you're at right now. Um, how did you get into it? What is it? Um, yeah, and why, yeah, why are you doing a daycare in Edina? Yeah, so life's a journey, uh, and so is Kitty Academy. It's been a journey yeah. and a process. Um, so as of today, um, we're doing great. We have, oh, 22 staff. Um, my wife and I kind of run the day-to-day operations, um, and then we have a director. We have, uh, we have about 100 kids enrolled right now. Amazing. Yeah. And it just started this last fall. Yeah. So we opened September of 2018. So we're in our fifth month. Um, And we're pretty blessed. We're pretty fortunate, I think, to have 100 kids right now enrolled. Out of the the 100 we have enrolled, 75 have started. So we have some future, you know, some future Kitty Academiers coming in pretty soon, too, which is exciting. And we're still growing. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of the hardest part of of anything, I, I think, is growing and managing that. And, uh, what, what, what does it look like? Uh, like it's daycare it's, but it's also like academic built, like building kids. Like they come five days a week. Yeah. So they do come, they come five days a week. So it is a preschool. Um, the franchise does an amazing job. They provide the curriculum. It's a nationally accredited curriculum. It's vetted by top scholars every year. And that's, I would say the bread and butter is, is having a curriculum, something national, something yeah. that has an accreditation and some validity behind it that holds weight. 
Um, so that was kind of why we bought into the franchise. We also have a curriculum called Kinder Music, which is amazing as well. So Kitty Academy partnered with Kinder Music. So there's like these educational music classes for kids that we do. No way. Well. Yeah. And then we provide um, we provide some extracurricular activities. We provide one called Soccer Shots. They're pretty they're pretty big in the Minneapolis market. So they come in and teach kids soccer lessons once a week. Um, we have this other thing called high tech, high touch. They come in and do once a month and they do like a cool science experiment with the kids. So they'll do like, um, like in f- January they came out, they brought like a dead fish. They like, brought, you know, you could feel the scales of the fish. Then they, you know, help the kids make scales. Um, they went fishing <laughs> kind of things like that. They bring yeah, in yeah. these outside activities that kids can do in the school, um, but my wife and I were kind of going around looking for childcare because I do have two kids, and uh, I yeah. was not. Well, impressed. how old are they? You got Jack. And- yeah. So Jack will turn three in March, yep. and then Olivia's birthday's today. Happy birthday, As baby we girl! This. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, she's pretty cool. Jack's amazing, and my daughter's just yo. Uh, Jack's wild. <laughs> Jack's a maniac. He's. Jackson. You were just saying you bought him Nerf guns. I did. I made the mistake of buying him Nerf guns. And it's pretty fun for me and him. We'll go around and and shoot each other in the house. We'll shoot my wife when she's not looking. And that's always (laughs) pretty fun. She gets she gets pretty ticked off. So whenever I can, you know, get her get her going, it's a good day. Yeah. And uh yeah, so now he kind of drives in the car and he thinks he's a police officer and he always finds people not doing the right thing and he's gonna shoot them with his Nerf gun. So he, bring, he brings it with him in the car. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Now, now I'm taking him out of the car back into the house, you know, yeah, yeah. safety. Yeah, yeah, totally. So you got two kids. You were looking for child care. That's how and, – and you you are a business guy. We'll talk about football in a little bit, but you are a business guy. And and we'll talk about how you became a business guy. But you just – you're looking for child care, and then you found this opportunity. How would you find out about Kitty Academy? Yeah, so I was looking for child care. And I uh, wasn't really happy. Olivia actually wasn't born at the time. It was just my son, Jack. And I was playing in Buffalo for the Bills. And my wife's kind of looking for child care because she was still working at Mall of America at the time. And I come home over the weekend during the off season, and we're looking at these places. And they're pretty expensive. Child care is pretty pricey, as most people know. Yeah. And I'm looking at these facilities and the structure, and I'm like, man, this is kind of crap. I'm like, this is okay. I'm like, this one looks terrible. This one's average. And I look at my wife one day, and I was like, I was like, heck, we can do this, and we can do it much better. Yeah. And I I usually think I can do pretty much anything, which is funny. But uh, so we leave, and we kind of go around. But I get back to Buffalo. And I'm in the locker room and guys in the NFL, there's a lot of really intelligent guys, um, a lot of guys that are doing things outside of the NFL. Yeah. And uh, one of the guys' name was, his name was actually James Ahedable, and he owns one in Savannah, Texas, I think. Uh, it's called like Lakes of Savannah over in Texas. And he was talking to me about opening up, you know, him and his wife starting this franchise going with this franchise kitty academy and open yeah. it up and getting it running and honestly i didn't think twice about it because we're we're in the nfl we're running down you know trying to destroy people and knock guys yeah, yeah. out and uh and he's talking about and he's daycare. talking about open up a daycare <laughs> which i was like dude yeah. like this is a little conflict of interest here maybe yeah, we're yeah. knocking dudes out you know trash talking guys and yeah, yeah 
And then, you know, there's a softer side of, you know, this loving and nurturing environment you're trying to provide for kids. So it was a little funny at the time when we were talking about in the locker room. And I didn't, honestly, I didn't think twice about it. Yeah. I was like, who opens up a, you know, who like, opens up a childcare center? Who opens up a daycare? Like, he's nuts. And, uh, and then like a year later, after continuously looking for childcare for my son and seeing the demand for it in you know, the lack of quality that yeah. was in there, I was like, heck, okay, I guess I'll talk to him again about opening up a childcare and see like how his journey's going so far. Because it's also a legit like. business opportunity. Like it can fund your life. It is. Franchise. Great investment. Now yeah. you're looking at multiple locations. Yep. Yeah. It's a great investment. So that was kind of the first thing I thought, you know, I'm, I've always been a numbers guy. I got my degree in finance. Um, so numbers just kind of made sense to me. So I, you know, the first thing I was like, oh, you know, what's the numbers? How does yeah, it show look? Me the how, books, yeah, yeah. How much, you know, is it profitable? How much does it make? Is it worth my time? You know, I always yeah. kind of associate what I'm doing with a number and does the number make sense for how much time I have to put into it? Yeah. Um, if I want to do it or not. And if not, I, I don't, if the numbers make sense, I was like, okay, I'll do yeah. it. Um, in this case, the number made sense. Plus I get to hang out with my kids yeah, yeah. every day too, and provide them a great environment to go to. Um, so it kind of all just made sense, but yeah, kind of started Kitty Academy. The idea and knowledge of Kitty Academy actually started in the NFL in a locker room conversation. Yeah. Um, and then turned into, you know, this 19,000 square foot building we have today. Yeah, but, it's awesome. Yeah, originally it started with me thinking, who opens up a daycare? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I know you well enough to because I remember, I remember when your wife got pregnant the first time, and you were like, "Oh no, like this is crazy. Yeah. We're about to have kids," and now yeah. you're taking care of a hundred kids. You know? Yeah, I my wife wants like a ton of kids. I was like, I'm good. I we don't need any kids. You know, I like having the freedom to do whatever we want, whenever we want. Um, Those things kind of change a bit with kids, as you know. Um, You know, family kind of comes first, so you got to put a couple – you just can't move as quick. You move slower. I got to pack my bags, and then I got to pack my kids' bags. And, you know, I got to buy my flight, and I got to buy my kids' flight. You know, um, things just move a little slower, so not as fast-paced as I like. And then uh, my wife's like, oh, yeah, more kids, more kids. Let's keep going. I'm like, no, you're nuts. Yeah, it's awesome. How long have you been married now? So we've been married for a year yeah, and a half. Yeah. It's been a crazy journey. You got two kids, man. Yeah, two kids. I thought we did it the right way, too. I was like, always have kids and then get married, you know? <laughs> Why do you think that? Uh, you get to... You get to test out the kids first to see if you still like each other after having kids. And if so, then you could say, okay, we can get married. Yo, that's insane. <laughs> that that logic is crazy, bro. <laughs> but for yeah, you guys, now you guys are married, and uh, yeah, Aaron's out. amazing, uh, and your family's awesome. And you said she works at the Mall America, but she's doing she does contract stuff, doing social media for the entire mall, right? Yeah. So right now she runs their she runs their social media fashion page, their MLA style account. So we we're actually just talking about fashion before we got on here. She thinks she's really stylish. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, I inspire her to be stylish, of course, you know, as I have the eye. She just kind of wears it. Um, but, yeah, so she runs their MOA style account from all yeah. of America. She does a great job with it. Um, she's kind of building it up. And, yeah, it's it's really good. And then outside of that, she does uh, a lot of the enrollment and marketing for Kitty Academy as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, 
most people that will watch this interview or listen to it, they want to hear about all the football stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and just the life that you lived in that. And so I'd love to just talk about, yeah, your journey uh, specifically with football. I mean, you went to Notre Dame, and then you played for the Vikings originally, uh, and you played for a couple teams as well. And at 28 years old, you've retired from football essentially. Um, but how, yeah, how did you get into it? At what point did you find out, yo, I'm, I'm pretty good at this? Oh man. Well, we started out, I started playing soccer when I was in, uh, I used to live in Aviano, Italy yeah, yeah. for three I, years. So there was that. no football. Yeah. There was no football over there. And this was when I was from like seven to 10. We, Why I were you living soccer. over there? Uh, my mom got remarried, and uh, my stepdad then got stationed over to okay. an Air Force military base. stuff. Yep. Yeah, and uh, so it was it was soccer and karate. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, if you'd asked me, I was like, you know, a really good soccer player. Yeah, yeah, you know, pretty good. We're I gonna mean, talk about your confidence in a little while too. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't say I was like. Uh, David Beckham or anything, but maybe more a Cristiano Ronaldo type guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I'm messing with you. No, uh, no. But yeah, so I played soccer growing up yeah. uh, until I was like 10. And then we moved back and I played AAU basketball and football. And I really didn't pick up like real competitive, like, okay, football is like where it's going to be until yeah. I got to North Carolina in, you know, sixth grade. Yeah. And and even in like sixth and seventh grade, I kind of didn't think of, I guess when you're that young and moving around in the military, I never thought, because I never, I just never thought I was going to play in the NFL. It wasn't like I grew up saying like, oh, my dream like and my goal is to be or, in the yeah. NFL. I was just like, I just want to be the best football player for some, you know, that yeah. was my thought. I was like, I'm I'm the best. I'm going to be the best football player. That I feel like that that has been kind of who you are in every area, um, like whether it's this business stuff that you're doing now, uh, like even how you learn, like you talk about your degree in finance, but since we've known each other, you're always like, yo, what book are you reading? What book, are we, like, well, let's do it together. Let's read this next book. And then yeah. what's next? You're always like, like there's something in you that says, I want to be the best, you know? And like, is that since you can remember or like, did it get drilled into you? Were you taught that to think that way? Like, hey, if you're gonna do it, lead the way in it. Yeah, I come from a really competitive family. Like, if you come over on Christmas or Thanksgiving, we're playing spades, cards, dominoes. Yeah, yeah. We're we're outside playing against each other in basketball. And I would honestly say my entire family is extremely competitive. Yeah, and I always grew up in this competitive environment especially with my older sister, older cousins, like if you ain't the best, you usually get made fun of, you get talk trash, you know, they'll talk yeah. trash to you if you're not the best. So you have to compete to be the best if you want to, you know, be able to have a good day. Right? Yeah. If not, it's going to be a tough day in the household. Um, so I think I just kind of grew up in that competitive environment and that make, you know, that kind of molded, molded me of just always wanting to be competitive always wanting to push past a limit to continue to go and, and develop and, and be the best. Yeah. Anybody that's watched a little bit of your career, they would know, um, they would know 
that you have no problem like in your confidence but it's but but also confidence there's king, there's yeah. yeah but there's a difference between confidence <clears throat> and arrogance and so wh- what's that line for you in regards to being like super proud of yourself and like hyped on yourself but also like which which would be, like lean into like this arrogant attitude versus like no I'm confident in who I am like there's there's things that you'll say about yourself that most people feel uncomfortable to say you probably because of like their own insecurities actually uh but you talk about yourself like in a confident way and you got no issue with it but it's not like had it been arrogance like back in the day is it not now like what is that like the line between confidence and arrogance well i I would definitely say if you're arrogant you're boastful proud of yourself i wouldn't say i'm super proud of everything I've done, I always think I can do better. So yeah. when I look back on a situation, I'm confident that I can do better. I'm not yeah. proud of what I did. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of the difference. And I think that's how I'm still able to open up Kitty Academy and like push to be the best and not sit back and think like, oh yeah, I've had a great, you know, I, I played in the NFL, I made some money, I can kind of sit back and relax. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not proud of it. I think like, man, I could have been a lot better. Yeah. When I wake up and I go to Kitty Academy, man, we can be a lot better. And I'm just, and I think my confidence is that I'm just confident that I can be better. Yeah. Right. It's not confident that I'm, I confidence and I'm proud of what I've done because I don't think about it. I'm not yeah. really that proud. I think I can be better. The confidence yeah. on my end is like, man, I can be better. Yeah. I can be better than what I'm doing right now. And I'm confident that I can be better and it motivates me and it encourages me like, all right, I'm going to get up and be better today. I've never thought about it like that. Like that confidence, confidence can be more forward thinking. Like I can be better. Like let's do better today. Like today's great. Like I'm going to do it today. Like I'm going to be better. Arrogance would be more like past thinking like, yeah that, like, that's how I, yeah, see it. I lived it up i was this i did that like i'm amazing you know yeah and it's interesting there are a lot of people in your shoes you know now you're 29 and there's there's people in that same boat that even they they weren't in the nfl as long as you were and they're like their life is over you know like and it might have to do with some of that stuff it's like it's I was the man, I had all this, and now, like, what am I supposed to do with my life? You know, do you, obviously, you know these guys, and you know there's people that out there living like that. Like, how did you make the jump from playing in, like, the highest level of football there is on the planet to now not losing your life? You got a family that you love. You got a business that you're building. You got purpose. Uh, like, how did you make it, and, and there's other guys that are not making it? Sometimes I think uh, going to Notre Dame was a great benefit. They always say it's like a 40-year decision rather than a four-year. You get a lot of exposure when you go to different places. Yeah, You meet people of different economic classes, different cultures. And you just get it. And I think at a young age, especially going to Notre Dame, I was experienced to other sides of life outside of football. Yeah, Some guys, they go to a predominantly football school and it's all football. They don't care much about academics. The only thing you're exposed, you're separated. Football players have their own dorms. They have their own cafeteria where Notre Dame, we, we, I had, you're with everybody. Yeah. My roommate was a student. Yeah. was a regular student. You know what I'm saying? My, some of my best friends at Notre Dame, 
were regular students because that's who we hung out with. They didn't separate the football players yeah, or anything yeah. like that. So you were exposed um, to guys who were up till 3 a.m. studying for a econ exam. Yeah, yeah. You were exposed to guys that would, you know, say, hey, come look, come hang out on the lake with us this weekend. And you'd be like, oh, my gosh, like people live in lake houses like this. How did your parents do this? And like, oh, my parents own a, you know, a grocery bag company where they make plastic bags. So you started to see like, oh, my gosh, there's different ways to make money outside of sports. Yeah. yeah. Whereas a young kid, when I grew up, for me, it was all sports. Yeah. yeah. And when I got to Notre Dame, my thinking kind of started to change. And I was like, all right, you know, maybe it'd be pretty cool to get a degree. And yeah. Because there's things that there's life after football. And then when I got in the NFL, um, I went to the University of Miami during the offseason. They had this program in the NFL and I went and got my master's degree. So now I'm with a lot of like minded guys. Yeah. NFL guys who play in the NFL are played in the NFL, but are making money and doing things outside of the NFL off the field. And uh, I would say I know guys that have made more money off, off the outside field, of outside football. of football. Yeah. And, I, and I know guys that I know will make, who have just retired who will make more money off the field. Because of their mindset, because their culture, they, they have exact, that same experience. Yeah, they just, they just know that there's, there's so much more to life than playing football. At you know, yeah, it's 16, crazy. 18, yeah. 19, you at 22, way, yeah. at 23, at 25, like it's football. You're immersed in it. There's yeah, nothing yeah. you can do yeah, yeah. Um, to really get out of it except for sit back, surround yourself with guys who are older yeah. than you and know there's a world outside of yeah, outside of this place. So back to your journey in, you move to North Carolina, you say, I'm, I'm playing football, I'm going to be the best. And and how'd you go from there? Yep, uh, went played. I was okay, you know. I was okay in, <laughs> in pee wee football. I guess is yeah, what yeah. you call it at tw- twelve years old. Is that what it is? Pee wee fo- foosball. Yeah. And uh, and then I played. And this is no joke. I was actually in JRLTC. And when I think back on JRLTC, we had like this goal sheet where we write down like goals. And I wrote down when I was a sophomore in high school. Excuse me. When I was a sophomore in high school, that was the first yeah. time I like actually was told to write down a goal. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of funny. Kids should be told to write down goals way before then. But uh, my sophomore year in high school, I wrote down a goal like, oh, I wanted to play in the NFL. Yeah. So the first time it was a goal for me to play in the NFL was my sophomore year, which was um, the first year I got my first college offer. Was yeah, from, yeah. Uh, you're 16 years old. Yeah, it was the summer of my sophomore year. We went up to Michigan, and uh, yeah, I got a went to this camp, and uh, got a got a college offer to go to the University of Michigan, which was pretty cool. Funny story, and I'm not joking. At this time, I didn't know I needed to go to college. I thought I could just go from high school to the pros, and that that was your goal. Yeah. So you just I mean, said I, just, I didn't. You said I didn't to Michigan, know the I'm process. Good. Yeah, I didn't know the process or the journey to go from high school football player to being in the yeah, NFL. Yeah. Um, you know, I was just like, I'm going to be in the NFL. I didn't say I want to go to college yeah, and yeah. then I want to go to the NFL. I no, was just like, like I'm going is. to the NFL and uh, didn't so, really know the process nor understand what that was yeah. until 
I was like a junior. <laughs> so then, so then you're a junior, and did you get offers from multiple places? Like, obviously, you didn't go to Michigan. Yeah, yeah. By by my junior year, I probably had like, I don't know, forty offers or so. so what they, they started piling on. Yeah, you know, high school is funny. Like, if one school offers you another school will offer you and sometimes they'll just offer you because another school offers you and next yeah. thing you know you got like you know 20 offers within you know you get if you live in a state and you're really good you'll get every school in in that state who offers you so you had i mean i a had bunch, nc yeah. state chapel hill yeah wake forest so how do you like how do you go about deciding then uh, for you you got 40 offers on the table are you then doing research on like like the coaches the like did you fly up to a bunch of places like how did you pick Notre Dame Yeah so I was pretty I was about 99% sure I was going to Virginia Tech I like Frank Beamer uh I went to Virginia Tech it's it's a pretty cool spot I kind of wanted like a big time football program but like a small town school atmosphere where everybody was kind of close knit yeah. Virginia Tech to offer that um, and I was pretty much going to Virginia Tech. They had a lot of history for sending out great defensive backs into the NFL. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to Virginia Tech. Charlie Weiss calls up the phone. They're like, hey, come to Notre Dame before you before you commit. Just check it out. So we drive up to Notre Dame. It's a lot like it is today. It's cold. It's snowing in India. And this is like April. Yeah. We go to like Notre Dame in like, April. And it's I? like cold yeah. and snowing. And the roads are closed, so there's detours. Um, they were doing some construction on Notre Dame campus. They're always doing construction there. So there's always a, a different route you got to take. And we pull up. And I'm not joking. I have no idea. But, like, you just get this feeling when you pull up to places. And I pull up to Notre Dame, and I'm like, holy smokes. Like, this feels like home. Like, as I'm no driving way. up, I'm, yeah, like, yeah. looking. And I'm like, oh, man, this feels like home. And then the next day, I'm sitting out on the bench I'm um, sitting out on this bench outside the Goog, the Guglielmiano Center at Notre Dame. It's like the football complex. I'm sitting yeah. out there, and it's still kind of cold, but the sun's, like, hit me on the face, and I, like, lean back, and, you know, I'm, like, chilling, and I'm, like, it's like, all right, I guess I'm going to come to Notre Dame now. No way. Yeah. So I get back to North Carolina and commit to Notre Dame, and, uh, yeah, next thing you know. Did you do, like, a, a little press briefing? Did you, like, put the hat on and do all that? No, I did. I, you know, that's much more prevalent now than when I was coming out. Yeah. Um, a few guys would do like, you know, the signing day videos and commits yeah. and things like that. Um, when I was when I was coming out, I think guys just kind of signed and called it a day, you know, <laughs> and then showed up. Yeah. So so then you go to Notre Dame and you're playing. And what position did you play? So I played corner in college. Corner in college, but that's not what you played in the NFL. Yeah, I got moved to safety in the NFL. I should have been more headstrong, right? Kind of like that confidence mindset, like, ah, I should have, you know, I could have been better. But, um, yeah, I played corner at Notre Dame. And then what would, like, after Notre Dame, you played there for four years? Um, yeah, so I played at Notre Dame for four years. The first, I really didn't start full time until my senior year at Notre Dame. Um, so when I got there as a freshman, I played a little bit. There were always some older guys. There was always a like few older you, guys yeah. ahead of me. And then, of course, there were always a couple coaches that thought they were smart that weren't that smart. They thought someone else was better than me kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, sports are competitive, That you know, and, yeah, yeah. and coaches aren't always the smartest guys in the world. But um, Did any of the guys ahead of you uh, go to the NFL? 
Uh, one did, yeah. Um, and he was actually a good player. He was an older dude. He was actually a, he was a good player, so he went to the NFL. The other ones did not, though. Yeah, yeah. So it was him and me. And he was a good player. He played. Uh, I think he played a few years as well. So separate question is. I was, I was, we were talking before and I was like, I'm taller than you and I weigh more than you. I've told you this yeah. 14 times. Yeah. And, but there's no way, there's no way I could play in the NFL. <laughs> like, are, were you small, like in your position? But, but you, again, you have this, like, you go out there ready to die, you know, Re- not to die, ready to kill somebody, like out on the field. Like, w- yeah, one, were you small in that, like, caused you to have like this different drive than other people were you average size like I don't know like literally I know nothing about what it's like being a corner or I would say when I first got into Notre Dame I was pretty small I was like a hundred and I think when I first weighed in I was like 160 pounds (laughs) in college (laughs) And And, and you had 40 offers yeah that's crazy. I mean, we jacked the stats up on like my profile tape. I think I was like, you know, 6'2", 185 or something, you know, yeah, super yeah. fast, you know, that we'd send out to the colleges. But when I got in there, I remember I weighed in, I was like 160. And I couldn't lift like, I couldn't even bench like 125 pounds. What? And I How was are like, you playing D1 I'm football? I'm telling you, I thought I was going to the NFL at 160, not benching 225. And, uh, yeah, and I actually played my freshman year. I had two picks, pick six, played well. Like, And I probably was – I mean, I might have been 165 then. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of – you know, you learn a lot, and a lot of that stuff is just mental. You just – Yeah. You got to be able to say F it and go run through a guy. Like, <laughs> you just got to be like, all right, it's him or me. And it was never you – Nah, it's him or me. No, yeah. you didn't have any. You, did you have any major injuries in your career? No, no, not until my last year in Buffalo uh, when I tore a ligament at the bottom of my foot. And that didn't even come from hitting anyone. That was like really weird. I don't, you know, yeah, yeah. injuries are stupid. Wear and tear, you never know. But yeah, I mean, it's when you're going to tackle a guy, covering people as a corner, you know, most of your job is just covering. So yeah. pretty, pretty smooth and easy. You don't need this be that big you don't need the size and the meat for that but definitely when i got into the nfl you wanted to put on a little weight as you were hitting doing a lot more um angles are different too so like tackling at corner there's different angles you take where they don't see you so you can you can you know you can get them um safety it's more head-on collisions yeah where corner is more side angle side angle so you don't need as much weight um, but by the time I was a senior in college, I was like one, I was like one ninety five. Yeah, yeah. So I put on thirty, 30 pounds, pounds of, of just muscle. Oh yeah. 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 That's crazy. So you're about to graduate Notre Dame. At what point did you know, like, there's a chance, like, like I'm, like you're getting calls. Like, how does that work? Like when you're graduating college to go to the NFL. So in tenth grade, I knew I was going to the NFL. I told you that. I wrote it yeah, down. I, know, I knew I was going. I know. It was funny. I'm sitting down. I'm sitting. This is uh, this is the summer going into our senior year. Yeah. Um, They were talking to a guy that I played with, and they were like, oh, you're going to go to the combine. They were talking up this guy like, it's going to be you. You're going to be the guy. And I'm sitting there listening. And in my head, I'm like, you're nuts. Yeah. It's going to be me. Yeah. I'm that guy. And uh, anyways, the guy they were talking up, he didn't make it. It was me. So yeah, yeah, I go. I ended up making it. Um, so just kind of having that self belief is important. But anyways, I ended up making it. We go to the combine. Terrible. I think the combine is awful because you just stay up. I think I was up to like three a.m. 
And then I had to get up at like seven. Yeah. And you got to go do these tests. And so you don't get rest. Um, a little of a little bit of an unrealistic environment, but it's good to go to show face. You get to meet a lot of the teams, yeah. coaches, um, but just kind of just stuck in a hotel. You get a lot of free gear, which is cool. Um, there's some cool aspects of it, but as far as like being in like optimal prime level to go out and like compete and, and perform, it's definitely not the ideal situation. Um, but it is, you know, cool, cool experience to be at the combine. And, and people, yeah, stuff. people get to see you and all that. Yeah, really cool. So after that, like at what point, because you go to the Vikings, like how do you like? Yeah, so on draft day, I'm kind of sitting there watching, and I, and I wasn't sure where I'd get drafted. Yeah, um, or if I'd get drafted. You're just hanging at your house with your family, dude. I'm helping my sister move. My sister was moving into uh, into a new house, so honestly, I'm not joking. Me and I, my sister, me and my brother in law, were like holding a washing machine, like walking the washing machine into the house, and my phone rings. So we have to set down the washing machine. I pick up the phone. And, uh, yeah, the Vikings call and, you know, um, I believe it was Rick Spielman and, uh, yeah, they were like, Hey, we're going to draft you. We'd love to have you. So I was pretty pumped. I was excited and, uh, I wasn't at home. My mom's at home and she sees it going across the ticker, um, yeah, you know, she sees screen, it on the yeah, screen yeah. on TV and stuff. So, she, you know, everyone calls and then the next, and then the next day we kind of threw like a big, you know, barbecue and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So, um, it was a pretty neat experience, but I guess that kind of goes back to confidence and, yeah, um, you know, kind of being arrogant. Yeah, totally. I'm moving a washer and dryer, but I knew I was gonna go to the NFL. Yeah, I think I think there might be people out there that would like if they know your name or follow your journey, they go, oh yeah, he's he's arrogant or he's all about himself, but they don't know, like they yeah they don't know that you were moving a washer and dryer on draft day. Yeah. It's crazy, dude. Yeah, but you had this confidence too. Like, it's gonna happen. Like, I know it's gonna happen. And you wrote it down. And it's crazy too. And we'll talk about faith and and your upbringing too. But like, a lot of how you've lived your life, even maybe before knowing it had any backing, like in the faith world, is like this confidence in in knowing who you are, speaking things out, like that, like believing in faith. These things are gonna happen. Writing things down. Um, all this stuff has like biblical backing and it's crazy that you've lived your life this way. Um, and it's all like come true, you know, and then faith, I think, uh, you can talk about how you were raised, but, um, and kind of where you're at today, like on this journey. And that's why I love having you here, but it's just crazy that maybe even without even realizing it, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you, you lived your life with some of these great, like biblical principles, which is crazy, you know, and they've proved themselves true. It's like wild. Yeah, I would, I would, uh, I would agree with that. Yeah, my 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 spiritual or religious journey is much much different. What um, was what was family life like in regards to faith growing up? Like, so your middle school, high school, um, middle school and high school was I would say was pretty non-existent. Yeah, um, I dated a girl and her mom took me to church, but you know you kind of go to church to date the chicks, right? Like. <laughs> Okay. That's kind of how it goes there's, back in that. There's for sure <laughs> guys going to church just to meet a girl. Like that's a hundred percent true. I'm not saying I'm a, I'm an advocate of that, but it's I not do, a bad but spot. But I do believe I do believe yeah the best place to find your spouse is in church, no doubt. Church or Target? 
Okay. <laughs> okay. One or the other. Now I'm gonna look at every single guy at Target as like a creep. Like yeah, yeah. Freak. I like, mean, get out of here. There's probably quality women in church in Target. It's probably like a you know if a girl's shopping at Target. If you see this, I would good, say if you see girl. the same girl at church and at Target, classic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it's non-existent. Faith is non-existent growing up. Besides your girlfriend's yeah. mom. So. When I I remember I have like these snippets when I was younger. So when we lived in Portland, Oregon, we used to go to church, and all my family lived in Portland at the time. Yeah. Uh, my mom, my dad, my aunts, uncles, yep. my grandma. She was still alive then, and I remember like we everyone would get dressed up. You know, you'd put on your you suit for Easter yeah, Sunday. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. you'd get dressed up. I remember like when people actually dressed up to go to church. Oh yeah, like suits and ties. Like that was the thing. Now we kind of just come and we're chill. Yeah. Um, but. That was like when I was younger, like seven, six, yeah. you know, much younger. When As I got older, I think our family kind of dispersed and separated, and so did faith kind of separated yeah. um, within there. So growing up, there was kind of not much. And uh, I always got the question, was I Catholic? Because I went to Notre Dame, and I was like, yeah. no, I'm not Catholic. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, are you pretty religious? And I'd be like, oh, no, not really. Not really, yeah. Like, it wasn't my wasn't my thing. Um, as I think about it, um, <clears throat> excuse me, as I think about it, some people can talk and they're really good um, talking about being religious and yeah. going to church. And then there's some people who just live their lives in a good manner that would say like, oh, this dude probably is a good believer, but he just, and I would say I was the guy who just kind of lived a good life. Yeah, you know, yeah. I tried to do what was right. And yeah. typically those things are, you know, what people preach about and talk yeah, about yeah. being religious. But I didn't show up and go to church and yeah, make yeah. it a, a thing. I just was like, oh, you know, this is the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. So do it. Yeah. So you, you were raised in a way that that helped mold you just like live in a good like just be a good person yeah my mom uh was very loving um so kind of growing up it was my mom and my sister were yeah my main my main people that I talked to me and my sister are best friends so I was I was molded by strong women which was great yeah and I was always in a loving and nurturing environment so when you when you come out and in my eyes, God is loving and nurturing. And yeah. if you just see people that way to be loving and nurturing or just to be kind and be cool. Yeah. yeah. It's a lens gentle. of who, who God is. Yeah. yeah. Like if you do those things, you kind of naturally fall into it. Yeah. Um, and I would say I just naturally fell into those things. Do you feel like that's part of who you are? Words like loving, nurturing, gentle, because, because there's a part of you too that can destroy some people yeah so depends on the day but yeah i'm like loving i would say i'm pretty loving and nurturing i'm pretty kind like i just love have a natural love for people yeah um until i get in a car and i might get a little road rage or something like that and i'm like dude i might lose it every blue moon um <laughs> but and then and then football like just being in that competitive environment i think allowed me to still be loving and gentle right yeah yeah so I had a nice balance. So I was able to be like, just have like a natural love and for people and be kind because I knew that in a couple hours I could go and be vicious Yeah, yeah. and be yeah. an animal. Yeah. Um, one of the things I know um, is your, your dad is a Muslim, which is a completely, completely different faith. There might be some stuff in there that 
you feel like is overlap with Christi- Christianity, but it's it's complete it's a it's a completely different faith. So you had part of that as an upbringing, and now who you're married to now, Aaron, she's amazing. Grew up in a faith filled family. Uh, you know, go to church and, and going to church has nothing to do really with salvation, although we believe like it's good to do life together. Um, but your wife grew up in that environment. Uh, what what has it been like in your guys' relationship and in your journey? Because this is like faith is, is a journey. Anybody listening, like we never just arrive, although... Um, you know, as a pastor, I believe there is one way to salvation, one way to heaven, but it doesn't mean they're like, it's not about perfection. It's not about like, and so you're, I know you're on this journey of faith. Your wife has been raised like in, on a little bit different journey. And now you guys are married, raising your kids. I remember dedicating you know, like you, you and, uh, uh, your wife dedicating Jack, like we want to raise them in the ways of the Lord. We want to raise them in church. This is who we want to be. How has that been? Um, with you and Aaron just in, and in marriage too. So starting out, um, and this is back when River Valley's campus was like poorhouse downtown. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so some time ago, Aaron was really like trying to get me to go to church. And I was like, you're nah. like not feeling it. I was yeah. like, nah, I don't do that stuff. I was like, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. And she would ask me her, you guys weren't married yet. No, we weren't married yeah, yeah. yet. Um, but she thought it would be great for our relationship and to kind of, you know, um, build a stronger foundation yeah. um, between us two to kind of have an event. You know, I think sometimes relationships are good to be built off of like activities and, and doing things and events rather than just hanging out at home or yeah. going to dinner every night. Um, so I think she thought it would build the relationship and make it better where me at the time, I'm like, oh, I'm good. Like, nah, like yeah. I was like, so she asked me like every weekend. <laughs> and I was like, eventually I was like, all right, where's this place at? And she was like, poor house. And I was like, you want to go to a church in poor house? And she was like, yeah. And if yeah. you don't know, poor house is a bar downtown. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bar. Like, club um, at night, yeah. and she's like, she's like, yeah, like look at the pictures. Cause you would, the guys would have pictures online. Like, look at the people. They're cool. I think we'd really fit in here and love yeah, it yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I, I'm not judgmental, but I just didn't want to go. So I had to be judgmental at this point to kind of back my own reason for not going. I was like, listen, like we can't go to a church if they're in poor house. Like it's a bar. Like what are yeah. they doing? I was like, I bet the people it's who are in poor house real, yeah. are probably just sleeping there and then waking up and getting the donuts at church for breakfast. I'm going to be honest. There was a couple of people that did that. <laughs> so, there was definitely a couple of people on couches when we showed up, set up. So, um, But you're saying, you're saying it can't be a real church. It's not even the real thing because it's in a bar. I was only saying that because I didn't want to go. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I, I didn't care where it was. I just didn't want to yeah, go, yeah. right? And uh, and uh, I guess somehow God tricked me because you guys moved it to Muse. Yeah, yeah. So Aaron comes back and she's like, oh, there's no excuse now. Um, they go to Muse. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, I was like, Muse? I was like, the it's event, just event space center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, yeah, yeah, they it's really nice. Like they have the event center over in Muse. Like we have to go. And I was like, fine. Yeah. So that was like me giving in. And I guess, you know, guys, you got to give in to your wives every blue moon. Um, so I'm like, there's a lot of stuff happening yeah, every blue moon, every blue moon. So yeah. I'm like, all right, we'll go. And, uh, and that kind of reawakened, um, my, my passion, um, for, you know, God and, and, and 
gave me kind of a new passion for my wife um, and a respect for the journey that we're going on in our relationship. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty cool. Um, what, what was it like going to church for the first time? Had you ever been to a church like it? And also, like, you're leaving there. You got, I mean, yeah, well, did you enjoy it? Was it like, man, this place, I mean, it's nice, but it's not, you know. Yeah, so I hadn't been to church for... Since oh like gosh. the suit days. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I hadn't been to church. I, I went to church a few times in high school, like I said, with a girl I was dating back then yeah, for, yeah. for brownie points and things like that. Um, and then the church I've been to is Catholic church. So, you yeah. know, it's like a Completely routine. Yeah, um, there's like a structured routine and process yeah, yeah. of how church goes um, yeah, yeah. in a Catholic setting, which being Catholic is not, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't care either way what people are. There, but there's it's just a different way church is, is set up. Yeah, yeah. Um, compared to how at River Valley. So, yeah, so coming into River Valley is, I mean, I had, yeah, never experienced anything like it. The tunes were great. Band was good. Um, the atmosphere, the vibe was good. Um, the message was good. You know, we we read books. We kind of had a little book club going for a while. So I'll actually sit I'm back. I'm still out I'll, here doing the book club, dude. I, know, I, don't I know where you've been, bro. <laughs> I'm late. I need, to, I need to get back on it. Um but yeah, kind of coming in and just like listening to the message and it was nice because it gave uh, me and Aaron something to talk about again, right? Yeah, um, which was nice. In our relationship, we had something to talk about, something exciting to talk about, something positive to talk about. Something that also means something. Yeah, it's not something. Just, everything, everything is, this all stuff's gone, you know, but this, the, the stuff that at church, and I, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but this is the stuff that... It, this stuff lasts forever, you know, like how are we raising our kids and that what's what do we want our legacy to be and what faith are we going to like what faith is our family and all that. Yeah. And that's how I feel and how we want our kids to see us as parents. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, yeah, we would talk about buying a couch one day and then you'd buy a couch. You talk about buying, you know, some shoes one day you buy shoes. Um, but yeah, this was a much deeper conversation. This was much yeah. more intimate, too. So yeah. I think uh, I don't think materialistic things are as intimate to talk with about your wife where me and my wife, we could have an intimate, uh, an intimacy that wasn't physical. Um, yeah. but with, you know, I guess God and other people and like, and then we actually met people through river Valley, um, that we liked that we could, we were excited to go see on Sundays now, yeah. like, and ask them, Oh, how's it going? And you just start to build new relationships. Um, and it worked out great. Fortunately, it worked out great for us. Um, my wife, Loved it. I didn't mind it so much. You know, it was, it, you got to think my wife grew up, you know, um, her parents still go to church every Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Go to church, she she grew up in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, mine was a little different. My family believes in God. My mom's big on it. My family's big on it. Um, we, we just don't go to church. Yeah. You know, so Dude, the, the I, I remember a weekend where I think Aaron was out of town and I saw you rolling in with Jack just like you and Jack, you know, and to me, that was like part of your journey of like, no, this is, I don't, I don't just do this now for my wife. This is something that I, like, I believe in. I'm trying to do, this is how I want to raise my kids. And I was jacked to see you and Jack coming to church. Yeah. I like, uh, well, Jack likes the music too. So he goes up there and he likes to, you know, see everyone with playing their guitars and pianos and the drums and instruments. Yeah, and yeah. I just think it was like, I don't know. I feel like it's a great, healthy environment for my son to be in. Yeah. Um, he gets to, you know, 
go and be with around other people who are like-minded yeah. care about their kids want them to be in a great place great atmosphere a positive one yeah um so yeah me and jack did kind of stroll in there on some days when aaron wasn't in which was cool and it was nice um it was kind of nice for me being a dad to do those things with my son yeah so yeah no you guys are i mean you guys are doing it and and the whole thing there's so much good that comes with church but church is not the answer like following Jesus would be the answer. That's obviously I'm a pastor, but so I'm pro church, but I'm more pro like allowing people on this journey. Like we're figuring this out, following Jesus. Like that's, that's the journey. And that's where, that's where the answer is. That's where it all is. And so even in this conversation, you know, we're not out there saying like, Hey, church is the, like, but there's so much good that comes from it for sure. Yeah. I think, uh, my bad. I think it's great. Um, I, yeah, sometimes I tell my wife, I'm like, I might be bandwagon Jesus fan. Like sometimes, you know, I'm like, I'm on the bandwagon when things are going great. I'm like, thank you, God. Like life's good. This is easy. And then when things are going bad, I'm like, Jesus, what's going on? <laughs> you know, kind of, yeah. so definitely on the bandwagon sometimes. But that's part of the journey. That's yes. part of, you know. Even even in football, like there's days where you're just like, dang, this is a long day. And then there's and then yeah. game day comes around. And you're like, I love this. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, you get yeah. ready to cry on game days because you just love it so Can't much. Can't believe you get to do it. Yeah. And then there's days when you're in oh you're in training camp and you know it's 90 degrees and you're like, why are we doing this? Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's and it's kind of like that same relationship. I've I've kind of been going on this journey back and forth with my faith and with God. Some days I'm like, I got it. It's going to yeah, be a yeah. great day. Like this is going to be the day. And then there's other days I'm like, he's nowhere to be found. I'm like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I tell my wife, I'm like, you must hate me right now. But yeah, yeah. you know, but that's just like, and it's like that in all aspects that's, of my life. And that, that is real life too. And like, following Jesus has nothing to do with like roses and everything's good all the time. No, it's the fact chance. that he's with you in the middle of it and he's doing more than you think he is when you feel like he's nowhere to be found, you know, like, and when everything's going wrong, he's doing more than you think he is in your life. And so, yeah, just watching your journey and being friends and, uh, and just you, seeing you connect with so many other people, part of the church too. Like it's, it is an inspiration to people like, there's people listening right now that are are they're not going to church they they don't know what they believe they're not you know and that's all good but like hearing your story in the journey like it's okay to be just it's okay to be real it's okay to be authentic it's okay to have days where it's like yo jesus is my main man and there's days where it's like i like i'm not even sure what i believe you know like that's okay like it's the journey you know yes yeah, the process is but it, the thing is like it's okay Cause it's like that in every journey, every part of life. Yeah, it's every part of life. Even you know, marriage, yeah. kids. I'm like, oh, my kids are great today. My son Jack's great. And then I'm like, man, this dude's a terrorist right now. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, how do I do it? And I tell my wife all the time, like, I don't know how you do it. Wives are heroes, man. Yeah, because some days I'm in there and I'm like, oh, it's easy. Kids are good. Next thing, I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Here's a question for you. So at I think it was your sophomore year, you were taught to write down a goal um, for the first time. What are, what are some of the goals that you have now? Uh, might be business stuff, family stuff, legacy stuff, financial stuff. But like, yeah, what are the goals that you're setting now? What are the things that you're dreaming about now for your future now that football's gone? Again, knowing that there's other guys out there 
football's done and their lives are over, no doubt you've got vision for your life. Well, the first goal, um, and I actually put it in my iPhone now, kind of pops up as a reminder. I just, yeah. all, my first goal is to be thankful. Yes. And this try to, and this try to, and this, I want to help like keep me positive. Cause when I, right now I'm on like a mission of like getting Kitty Academy up and running. So right now every day is like a grind and I forget to say, oh yeah, I'm thankful for my staff and my employees. So like my, the yeah. first thing I actually wrote down was like, I'm thankful for my staff and employees. Yeah, like yeah. that's a goal is just to let people know who work for me. Cause now I'm, I technically am managing people. Yeah. I have to let them know that they are valued. Yep. And that's, and that's, a difficult thing to remember when you're on the grind of yeah. like, all right, I got to make sure I'm getting parents enrolled. I'm looking at opening up a new location, talking to people, paying the bills. Oh yeah. Don't forget to tell your teachers they're doing an amazing job Yeah, yeah. and how thankful you are to have them. Um, and then I do kind of turn that over to my wife Yeah, to tell my wife how that I'm thankful of her. Cause sometimes I'll forget to do them. And those are like goals that for me are important but I forget to do them every day. Yeah. So I like write them down. They're actually, it's like a reminder of my phone. I yeah, think it be pops thankful. up like every hour. Yeah. Be, be thankful. thankful for every hour. Yeah. It pops up every hour, but it, it, it doesn't just say be thankful. It says like, be thankful for my amazing. St-. I'd have to pull it. It's like, yeah, be thankful bunch, for my yeah. amazing staff and how amazing. So it's like very detailed. So that's the, the first thing I think about when I write down a goal is it needs to be detailed. Cause if you just say, be thankful, it kind of leaves it as like, it's just open what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very detailed, very specific. Um, the other goals is just finding out ways to to give back more. And then I am trying to get like an internship. So I got that written down to find like a good internship that works well with my schedule. Um, like you want to be an intern with somebody that's yeah. Li- yeah, living yeah. in the Bro, venture in- capital. Intern with me, dude. Like Let's that. get it, dude. Yeah, I might need to. <laughs> I might need to. Um yeah, yeah. So, no, but business, yeah. Somebody yeah, that's so living big business. business yeah. And I have like trying to get a venture capitalist internship or internship with a financial institution that kind of works around the Kitty Academy schedule. Yeah, it's um, awesome. Building on that knowledge. Um, as we as we wrap it up, two quick questions. What's your favorite book you've ever read? My favorite book, I'm not joking. I always tell people to read it. Is uh, It's called The Alchemist. I don't know why I like The Alchemist. Really? Yeah, I, I love the author, uh, Paulo Col- um, Colo. And I've read like almost every one of his books. Um, there's something about, there's like magic in each of his books. And I think it's really cool. Um, cause I, it, I think magic exists in our world with like energy and just having positive energy. It, it can yeah. rub off on people like the magic in our world is energy and yeah. it exists. And like having this positive energy, um, that can rub off on people that can rub off in a building and an atmosphere, like where, when someone walks into River Valley, the positive energy, they yes. just automatically yes. up, uplifts them. Yes. They don't know why. I'm telling you why. It's the energy that's in the building that's yes. real that's given off by people. Um, so the book, The Alchemist, is uh, is probably my favorite one, yeah. It's and that, a little bit of a dream, but I like it. Every book that we've read together is uh, is not like a novel. It's like a leadership book yeah, or it's it like a business book. Yeah. And, but The Alchemist is a novel, not, right? Yeah. It's just a story. Yeah, it's, it's a story. I think it's I saw the movie. I can't remember. Um, yeah, the, yeah the, the alchemist is a story and, uh, it, it's, it goes about a guy on his, on his, on a journey in his life. Yeah, um, yeah. so it kind of talks about a life of uh, a guy going to find his treasure. Yeah. 
So kind of being an exception. I do. I do. Yeah. You are an exception, bro. Uh, I do believe in what you're saying. Like there, there's a spiritual realm that our eyes can't see. That's more real than the world that the natural realm that our eyes can see. And a lot of that stuff that happens in the spiritual realm, some of it, some of it's not in our control, but some of it is in our control. Like in regards to the words that we say, the praise that we give, yeah. uh, the yeah, the energy that we put out to people, the love that we give, um, the atmosphere of a room. Like I think that that's one of the big. Like as I think of, as a pastor, like building church, like that's one of the biggest things in making people feel welcome like you said is like you have to care about the atmosphere of a room like um and it's down to it's it's down to how the natural stuff works out too like how does it what does the room look like what are there people here ready to welcome people in like do they got smiles on their faces are they hugging people are they giving out free like everything that happens in the natural realm can play into what happens in a in a spiritual realm as well but yes yeah so anyways i just i I just wanted to affirm that like it's not just like it's not just like um it's not like feng shui just karma like it's not just like but it's like there's a real spiritual realm and people feel that like there's places you go and it's just dark it just feels like there might be lights on the room but like you walk into a place and it doesn't feel welcoming it doesn't feel loving you feel unsafe you feel you know it doesn't feel like home yeah, totally. I'm telling you, I got that feeling when I was at Notre, at Notre Dame. Dame. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know how to describe that feeling, but like I just kind of walked on the campus and I was like, I, "You just get that." Like, and I'm telling you, I love the people at Notre Dame. Great people. You just like I learned that over the four years. Like the people make this place great. There's something magic. There's some kind of magic yes. here. Yes. that like just uplifts everyone. Like, I mean, yeah, it's so good. And it's. And it's all around us. We just have to, you know, we have to create it. We have to, you know. Yeah, yeah. we, like... Be mindful of it and know that we can create those things. We can, you know, it exists. It does, it's real, it exists. Yo, I'm with you. Uh, Second question and final question would be, if you had had to give uh, one person uh, just one piece of advice that's following in your footsteps. So it might be young business dude, might be young football player, it might be somebody that, is, has was raised in a Muslim family, uh, somebody that was raised in a military family. Like, speak to whoever you want to speak to, but one piece of advice that you give them uh, that that would help them, what would it be? Oh, um, one piece of advice. Ooh, that's tough. I you would got say, it, bro. yeah, I would say. Oh, I want to say like keep fighting, but the one word I would say is just be persistent. Never yeah. give up. A million people are going to tell you you can't do something. They'll try to shoot down your dreams. And then there'll be a million people that'll build you up and tell you you can do it. But you got to kind of stay persistent on that even playing field. Work hard. Be confident in yourself. But kind of how we talked about earlier between confidence and arrogance, like you have to be confident but confident that you're going to be better tomorrow. Not yeah. confident that, oh, yeah, I, I'm, I, I was so great yeah. yesterday and last year. Because so, that doesn't matter. Correct. Those things are long gone. Correct. You got to be confident that yes. tomorrow I'm going to be the best. Tomorrow's going to be my day. It's made for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that'll get you, you know, if I can give any advice, that's the best one. Just yeah, like wake up every day and say, yeah, yeah tomorrow, tomorrow's made for me. Yeah. Brilliant. Yo, thanks for being here. Hey, I appreciate it, man. I love you, bro. I love you, man. I love you, bro. I appreciate the, the time. Thank you. Thanks.
If you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube or anywhere podcasts are found. To stay connected with what we're doing, you can also follow us on Instagram at Exception Podcast and visit our website at exceptionpodcast.co. New episodes are releasing every Friday. If you know someone who is an exception to the rule and want us to share their story, you can let us know on our website. We're always on the lookout for new stories to share. Until next time, remember, as a rule, be an exception to the rule. Peace. Peace.